Now, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Luke chapter 6 and Galatians chapter 5. We're continuing in our series, More, which is the whole idea behind it, is that there's desire inside of our hearts for more of God, for more of what he wants to do inside of us. And the way that God has made this possible is by giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and the work of the Holy Spirit inside of our hearts is the more of God that we want. And so we're looking at how is it that we allow ourselves to be more changed by the Holy Spirit inside of our lives. And this week, I started getting these postcards in the mail about winterizing your sprinkler system. Uh, you guys probably get those too. And you know, the whole idea is that, hey, winter is coming. If you don't winterize your sprinklers, they are going to burst and it won't be good for you. And some of you are thinking, mine are still winterized from three years ago. And some of you are thinking, what's a sprinkler system? Like, I don't know what those are for. Well, for me, when I get that card, it's always a little bit of a sad moment for me. Because first of all, it means that summer is going and that means something else is coming that I'm not really thrilled about. But then the other part is it means that once again, another year has passed where I did not achieve the lawn that I had planned on having that year. Uh, Sybil lives across the road from me. She knows what that's like. Uh, she has the beautiful lawn, and I have the one that's bringing down the value of everybody's homes on her street. So <laughs> I always tell my neighbors, hey, come to Radiant Church. I'm the guy that's ruining your property value. Well, uh, 10 years ago when Ann and I got married, I decided one of the things that I'm going to do as a husband is have this incredible yard. And it's just something, I don't know why I thought that was what being a good husband was all about. There are lots of misconceptions you have when you're newly married, and that was one of them for me. I thought that was how I'm going to be the hunter, gatherer, provider for my wife, was by having this great lawn. And I thought, it's a new construction, so my yard right now is just dirt, which to me was like, this is the blank slate. I am Picasso now in front of this canvas, and I can create now everything that I see in my mind. My wife knows better. She's like, it's just going to be a mud pit when it rains. So we have these different views of what the lawn is. I see all of this potential inside of it. And I'm going out there, and I just assume for some reason that the lawn is going to happen. I didn't plant grass. I didn't do it. I just assume that grass is going to grow up in this lawn because of my sheer force of will. And so I'm going out there every day checking on my dirt. And I remember one day I'm looking down, and I see this little green sprout poking through the surface. I'm like, yes. This is like Abraham having his first son. And now we can see the multitudes that are going to come from this. And I'm excited about it. And then the next day, there's a couple more little sprouts and they're coming up and I'm excited. And then before you know it, the whole yard looks green. It's just little tiny sprouts, but it's green now. I can see color to this. The painting is coming to life. And then one day as I'm out there inspecting the sprouts that are springing up, I notice I'm looking and I'm like, hey, that's not grass. That's a weed. And I look at the one next to it, and I'm like, that's not grass either. And the one next to that, I'm like, none of these are grass. There isn't a single blade of grass in my entire lawn. It is nothing but weeds. And so I'm telling one of my friends this, like, how do I get a, a yard now? I want grass, but all I have is weeds. And so he tells me, well, all you got to do is just mow it down. And the, the shorter you mow it, it'll allow the grass to come up, and it'll come back thicker. It's like shaving. The more you shave, the thicker and fuller your beard is going to be. So you just got to mow that lawn. I'm like, that makes perfect sense. And so I go out there and I'm mowing the lawn and mowing the lawn, but no grass is growing still. I just have really nicely mowed weeds. And eventually, I'm just, I give up. I'm like, I am not going to have any grass. And so I'm just going to mow my weeds, and they look green, so just stay away from it, and it looks good. And all my neighbors are the ones driving by. This is a theme for my life. They're driving by looking at my yard and just shaking their heads. 
And so I had this expectation of what it was that I wanted. I didn't really know how to achieve that desired result. And what happened was my yard looked the way it has always looked and probably always will look. And it caused frustration inside of me because I wanted something different. But I found myself falling back into what I had always had and what I had always experienced. And the same thing happens to us a lot as Christians. And when you make this decision to follow Jesus, it's like there's this new opportunity for you. You have this new blank canvas in front of you to create the life that you've always wanted to because now the presence and the power of God dwells inside of you. There are things that you used to do that now you want to make a clean break from and to move into the life that Jesus has called you to. And when you're reading your Bible as a new Christian, you see the way that Jesus lived and the apostles and other people, and you think, that's the life that I want for me. This is the way that I want my life to look. Or you meet some other people in the church and they're these spiritual giants that have been walking with Jesus for 40 or 50 years. And you say, that's the life that I want to have. And so you go out there and you're waiting and you're moving into this new life and these little, little sprouts begin to come up and you're excited about it. And then you find out that what you're growing in your, the yard of your life is the same thing you've always been growing. It's weeds that keep coming back up. The sins that you struggled with before are the sins that you're continuing to struggle with now. And it leads to frustrations because you wanted something different. You had a vision for something different. You know it's possible somehow. But what you keep producing in your life is the same thing that has always been produced. And the reason for that, because there's this, this principle that is true in nature and it's true in the spiritual realm as well, is that roots determine fruits. In Luke 6, Jesus talks about this. He says in verses 44 through 45, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each true tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. Now Jesus is always saying these really complex things. And as I like to put myself in the position of the people that would be hearing it to try to let it sink in, maybe in the way that it sunk into them. And Jesus starts out with these deep principles like, uh, you don't pick figs from a thorn bush. It's like, really, Jesus? Uh, lay the next one on me. I think I got that one down. Because he's talking about you can't go expecting to pick fruit from something that doesn't produce that kind of a fruit. And so then he talks about how that relates to the human heart. That if your heart is good, if what's planted inside of your heart is good, then the fruit that comes out of your life, which is referring to the way that you live, what your actions, your thoughts, your motives, what's produced by the way you live, that's the fruit of your life. He says that if what's in your heart is good, then you're going to produce good things out of that. But if your heart is bad, if there's evil inside of your heart, then the things that are going to be produced in your life, the fruit that will come out of the way that you live, will be bad. See, this is the default way that we live as humans, is we're born and there are roots inside of our heart that come not from following God, but from the old way we used to live. So we see things that are produced in our life that aren't in keeping with what we want. And so the Bible then goes on to talk about not only 
do roots determine the fruits that are born out inside of our life? Because if you're trying to examine the roots in the ground and say, what is this going to produce? It's hard to tell. Roots all look the same to me. I'm sure there's a botanist in here that can identify plants by roots. But most of us have to wait until there's a plant there and it's producing something to recognize what it is. And so Jesus also says this, that fruits reveal the roots that are growing inside of your heart. When you go to a tree and you see an apple growing on it, you say, this is an apple tree. How do you know what kind of root is in the ground? Because you know the fruit that it's producing. And so what Jesus is saying through all of this is that the fruit that's being produced inside of your life tells you exactly what's going on inside of your heart. The condition of your heart is revealed by the way that you live. And you can't expect the roots in your heart to produce anything other than what they by nature naturally produce. You can't go up to an apple tree and be like, man, can't you just produce a fig today? Please, please produce a fig. It will never be able to produce anything other than what it naturally produces. And so what we can do when we evaluate our own hearts is we can come back and say, I might not be able to look at the heart to see the roots that are in there, but I can look at the fruit that my life is producing. And by knowing the fruit that's being produced by my life, I can evaluate and know what it is that's going on inside of my heart. And so Paul talks about the different things that the heart produces in Galatians 5, 19 through 25. He says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. As I was reading off the fruits of the Spirit, so any of you guys hear the song from Sunday school growing up? Gotta have goodness, patience. None of you? Okay. Well, I learned everything. I grew up Methodist, so we learned everything by song or by potluck. And, <laughs> and that was one of the ones that we learned by song. What he's saying is that there's two different types of fruits that are produced in your life. There's fruit that comes from the flesh, which is the carnal, natural desires. And then there's fruit that comes as a result of the Holy Spirit working inside of our lives. And only one of these fruits is going to be produced. You don't see the two being produced together. You don't see uh, you know, greed being produced with a spirit that is also generous. The two things are counter to each other. You're only going to produce either the works of the flesh or the fruit of the flesh, or your life is going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And as he goes through and he lists these things, uh, to me, when I read the list, it's easy to take it in the context of, of our Western society. But as Paul's describing these things, he's describing the fruit of the Spirit, what will be born out of your life as a result of the Holy Spirit in you, into the context of a persecuted church. So when he says that you're supposed that love will be produced by you, that doesn't mean love like we love our families, we love our friends. When he's talking about love that's produced by the Spirit inside of you, he's talking about a love for your enemies. See, at this time, they were losing their homes, they were losing their jobs, they were being prohibited from doing business inside of the cities because they were Christians, their families were being taken from them, they were even being killed, all because of the fact that they confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior and they followed him. But what happened was, they had a love inside of them, even for their enemies, 
so that they would bless the people who were persecuting them. Jesus said, if you just love those who love you, there's no reward for that. But when you love your enemies, and when you bless those who persecute you, when you pray for those who hate you, there's a reward for that. And it's not something that you can work up on your own in your life. That's something that only God can produce in you through the Holy Spirit. When he talks about peace, uh, he's talking about a peace that, sur- that guards your hearts and your minds. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, I've been around people that were in the worst of situations, and you can tell by looking at their life what it is that's been going on in their heart. When I've been around people who knew that they were in their last days as they're dying, and when they had that realization, they were, they were filled with terror. I mean, it's, it's terrible to be around someone that doesn't follow Jesus when they're dying because they're just filled with fright, terror, like you can't even imagine. But then when you're around someone who's been a believer and they have the hope and the peace of Jesus in them, there's a peace that even though they're in the midst of the worst trial of their life, that physically they might be in great pain, they know that they're about to die, but there's such a peace that's guarding their hearts and their minds. It surpasses all of the understanding of all of those around them because it's a fruit that's been born inside of their life, knowing that they can fully entrust themselves to Jesus and that our God is a good Father and that he will never lead them into destruction, but he leads them into eternal life, and they can trust their lives and their souls to him through the process. You know, he talks about patience. And and patience is something we think, okay, I I gotta wait at this traffic light uh, for a couple more minutes for it to turn green. But the patience that it talks about as a part of the fruit of the Spirit is like when God gives you a dream and a vision for the life that he's called you to, and you want it more than anything, you want it so bad, but you're able to be patient and allow God to bring that into your life at the right time. I mean, for Joseph, think about it. God gave him the vision of being, you know, someone that is bowed down to, and then he goes into jail, he gets thrown into a pit, he's accused of all sorts of terrible things, and everything in his life leads him away from what it was that God spoke to him. But he's still remaining patient, he still has peace in his heart, he still has love inside of his heart, because the fruit of the Spirit is making these things come out of him. And he's able to patiently wait for God to bring him to the place that he told him he would take him to. He's not trying to promote himself. He's not trying uh, getting sick of the waiting. He's just patiently able to wait for everything that God has promised him. You go through kindness. Uh, Kindness is not natural in our society. Ever try waiting in line with people for something? And you see the people that come and they're cutting and they're, they're doing everything else. Like, kindness isn't something that's natural for us. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Or goodness or faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think about our society, self-control is like the most crazy thing that you could ever do. The whole idea is, hey, if you want it, then you should have it because there's a desire inside of you for it. My son, Eason, he'll always take things from Brielle. And I'm like, Eason, why did you take that from her? Because I wanted it. Well, yeah, there's lots of things that I want, but I don't just go and take them. But he doesn't have that self-control that's been developed inside of him yet. You don't have to teach children not to have self-control. You don't have to teach kids not to be nice. You don't have to teach kids not to be gentle or you know, not to be faithful. These are all part of the way that we're born. This is a part of what we're always trying to train out of ourselves. We're trying to teach our kids to be all of these things. But what we have to do is we have to look at the two lists of the things that Paul says can be borne out inside of our hearts and we have to make an honest evaluation. Based on the fruit that is coming out of my life, what does that reveal about what's going on inside of my heart? 
And I think that if we're really honest, a lot of times when we look at our heart and we see the things that are being produced from it, it doesn't look a lot like the gift of the, or the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't look like the Spirit-led life. It looks like the flesh-led life. It looks like there are some roots inside of our hearts that are producing things inside of us that we don't want to be produced. But the problem is never a fruit issue. You can go around, this is the way we try to deal with it. We think, okay, there's something bad. I'm, I'm having this trouble with pride or I, with greed, and so I'm trying to go and I see the fruit growing. I see the pride, and so I go and I pick it and I throw it in the woods and try to get rid of it. But what happens? It grows back, and it keeps growing back. And it'll be a struggle that you have your entire life because there's a root inside of your heart that is producing the pride. There's a root inside of your heart that's producing envy or anger, and it won't ever do anything but produce those things. And this is why the gift of the Holy Spirit to us is such an important and incredible gift. Because though we were all born following the desires of the flesh with the roots of the flesh growing inside of our hearts, producing the fruit of the flesh in our lives, now Jesus has given us a way to be able to produce the fruits of the Spirit, the things that we want to do. When we look at the life of Jesus and we see what's produced by his life, we want that. We want our lives to line up like that. We want these things for our lives. And now God has given us the way to have that happen by the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of us, bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. No, we can't make ourselves look like Jesus. That's something that we just simply cannot do. That's something that is only the work of God inside of our lives. If we want to produce the fruit of the Spirit, what it means is that we have to really allow God, through the Holy Spirit, to work in us, to tear up the old roots inside of our life, and to plant down the new ones so that what is produced by this is the fruit that looks like the life of Jesus. So, how is it that we bear the fruit of the Spirit? Number one is it says that we have to crucify the flesh. Now, when a farmer is going to plant a field, if there's just a weed field where they're trying to get rid of the old crop that's been growing in it, what do they do? They go out there and they spray Roundup on everything. They kill the entire field so that there's nothing left alive in it. Otherwise, if you try to go out there and you try to you know, plant corn on top of an alfalfa field, that corn isn't going to grow. There's too much competition for the resources. It'll never be able to take root inside of it. So the farmer goes out there and kills everything else that would have any competition with what it is that they want to plant now. And so that's why Paul is talking about that if we want to live the life that produces the fruit of the Spirit, that we have to crucify the flesh. That means we have to kill every desire that was inside of us before. When we come to Jesus before we can receive the life that he gives to us, we have to have that moment where like Jesus was killed on the cross and was dead and buried before his resurrection, we too have to identify with him in his death and his burial. The old life that I was living wasn't producing the things that I wanted in my life. I tried to manage it. I couldn't do it. I need something new inside of me. And so that means that I have to allow it to all be nailed to the cross. And it's a painful process. But the only way that you can get rid of those roots so that something else can be planted into your heart is by first killing every other desire all the way down to the root level. And this is possible because of what Jesus has done. And remember that when he went on the cross, he became sin. He took all of our sins for us on himself and that he defeated the sin on the cross, which was proved by the fact that he raised from the dead. 
And so now when we struggle with these sin issues inside of our life, when we're like, God, I don't even know how it is that I can die to these desires, what we do is we look to Jesus, the one who's been given all authority and all power over all things. And we say, God, I need you to kill these things for me because I don't even have the strength or the ability to do it on my own. And that's the first step in following Jesus. It says that we have to daily pick up our cross, die to ourselves, and follow after him. So it starts with crucifying the flesh. And then number two is that you have to receive the Spirit. See, the fruit of the Spirit isn't the result of your best efforts and works. It's the result of God's grace. And the way that we receive the Spirit is because of what Jesus has already done. We can't make ourselves acceptable. We can't try to make it so that we're worthy of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. All that we have to do is say, God, I repent of all my sins. That's the crucifying the flesh. That's killing everything else. And say, now God, would you give me the Holy Spirit? You said that's the promise for every believer that we would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because God, what I need inside of me is to see the fruit of the Spirit. But before there can be any fruit, I first need that seed of life to be planted deep down inside of me and for it to take hold and to begin to grow inside of me. And again, that's not based on what you do. You don't have to make yourself presentable to God. You don't have to somehow earn the new life that he's called you to. It's the free gift that he's given you. All that you have to do to receive God's grace is just receive it. And then number three, you have to pull weeds. As the Holy Spirit's growing inside of you, beginning to change you and conform you to the image of Jesus, have you guys ever noticed that even if you kill everything in your garden and you plant the new thing that you want in there, weeds still crop up. That still happens. And uh, when we moved into our new house almost four years ago, I was excited because there was actually a grass lawn there. Someone else was able to achieve what I had never achieved before. And I thought, okay, this is already grass. All I got to do is just mow it and water it and everything's going to be okay. But what happened was I remember the one day I saw that thistle growing up in my yard. I was like, where'd that come from? That wasn't here before. And so what did I do to get rid of it? I mowed it down. You know what happened the next week? I had three thistles growing in my yard. So I mowed it down again because I'm that smart. And now there's more thistles in my yard than grass, I think. Because well, I'd never addressed the weed by pulling it at the root. I just tried to cover it over and make it disappear. And when you mow it, the yard looks great again. You don't see that thistle. But because that root is there, it's growing. And if you don't pull it out by the root, it'll continue to spread throughout your life. I have one friend, I asked him how his yawn, yawn, sorry, I'm tired, how his yard looked so great. He had this little thing that he uses to pull up the dandelions, and it takes them in there, turn it, and it pulls it out by the root. And that's what has to happen in our lives. When sin starts to creep back in, when you start to see the fruit of the flesh being produced in your life again, you need to say, God, would you show me that root inside of my heart, and would you pull that thing out? Because I don't want to go back to the way that I used to live. And that's going to happen. From time to time, there are still desires of the flesh that continue to creep back in. It doesn't mean that you're not a Christian or you're not saved or that you don't have the Holy Spirit at work inside of you. It just means that there are weeds that pop up. And God has the ability to pull those things out and to remove them. But if we don't deal with it, if we just continue to try to cover it up, then it spreads in our life and eventually can take us back to the place where you don't see a lot of the good fruit being produced in your life anymore. You see a lot of the weeds that have crept back in. So pull those weeds out by the root. And then lastly, 
Number four, remain connected to the vine. In John chapter 15, Jesus says this, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So your ability to produce fruit isn't based on your ability to produce fruit. It's based on your ability to remain connected to the one who produces fruit in you. And this is the most important part of it. Everything that happens in your life is either going to be the product of the relationship and the connectedness and the intimacy that you found with Jesus or it's going to be the result of the disconnectedness that you have from God. You see, branches that produce fruit, it's not somehow that they work it up or that they're able to. That's what it talks about. If you cut off a branch from a tree, it doesn't grow fruit anymore. It's only able to do that when it remains connected. And that's why Jesus says that I'm the vine and that you are the branches. If you remain connected to me, you're going to bear fruit. You're going to bear fruit. It's not a question of can I, am I good enough? When you're pursuing God with everything that's inside of you, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what happens is there's overflow in your life. So the Holy Spirit was never meant to be something that was contained inside of you. It was meant to be something that spills out of you onto all of those who are around you. And that's why God is producing these fruits inside of our life. It's so that we can look like Jesus. And when we look like Jesus, when we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit being produced in our life, then we're able to do the things that Jesus did. We're able to affect the world around us for the kingdom of God in mighty ways because the one who created the world, the one who's able to change every life, is living and dwelling inside of us. All we have to do is remain connected. And peace, patience, joy, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things begin to be what's produced by the way that we live. See, it says that the Holy Spirit gives us the ability and the desire to live a life that's pleasing to God. But it's all about remaining connected. And this is the hardest part. Because a Christian walk isn't a, a sprint, it's a marathon. And the reason that marriage is hard, when you were dating someone, it was easy because you'd just been with them for a little bit. You were still passionate about that person, the, the chemicals going on that created infatuation and everything else were going. Marriage gets hard when you enter that marathon stage of it, of having to continue to maintain this relationship. The passion and the intimacy will always be there as long as you're maintaining the relationship. But when you disconnect from your spouse, the passion and the intimacy become something you have to work for and that you can't produce just by your works. And it's the same way in our relationship with God and with the relationship with the Holy Spirit inside of us. That it's easy to say, Jesus, crucify the flesh inside of me. I'm following you. I'm receiving the Holy Spirit. I want the fruit of the Spirit to be born in me. And you're, you're doing a good job going out there and pulling the weeds as they pop up. But it gets hard to remain connected over the long term. And as soon as you disconnect from Jesus, as soon as you disconnect from the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you begin to recognize that bad fruit is being born. And so you try to produce something good. 
but you can't produce it by your works. It's only produced through the connective relationship with God. So you want to see more fruit produced in your life? Then spend more time seeking after Jesus. You spend more time studying your scripture and saying, God, would you reveal yourself to me in this? You spend more time seeking God in the place of prayer. Spend more time going after Jesus and worship and encountering him there. And as you do these things, it won't be something you have to try to produce in your life. It's just going to happen. It's going to be what flows out of you. And you will find the life that you knew you were always meant to live but somehow have been disconnected from. And you discover it wasn't because of something you had to work up or produce yourself. It was just the overflow of that relationship that you have with Jesus. And that's how the fruit is born in us. Would you all stand with me this morning? Every week, one of the things I always want to have happen is to always ask God, okay, God, what is it that I do with this now? What is it that you want me to do in light of what you're speaking to us? And so you spend just a moment, just close your eyes and pray and ask God, God, would you reveal to me the roots that are in my heart? based on the fruit that I'm seeing produced in my life. God, are we producing the fruit of the Spirit? Or is it the fruit of the flesh that's being produced? this morning when you evaluate your life and God shows you that it's been the fruit of the flesh. He's not showing you that to shame you. He's not showing you that to condemn you. He's showing you that so that you will recognize your need for Him. So that you'll recognize the need that you have to follow after Him. Because He's able to produce in you the life that you have been called to. He's able to produce that fruit inside of you. But first it takes us saying, God, the way I have been living hasn't been working out. I've been living according to the desires of the flesh. But Jesus, I repent of that. Forgive me of my sins. God, I want to crucify my flesh this morning. I want to come after you. I want to live my life for you. And I want to receive the Holy Spirit inside of me. And if that's you this morning, just ask God for that. Because that's how it all starts. You don't have to make yourself worthy of it. It's a gift he gives you. Or maybe this morning, you've been following Jesus, but there's just become some of that disconnect inside of your life. Again, he's not showing you that to make you feel like you're not worthy or that you've gone too far. He's showing you that because he wants you to come back. He wants to restore the intimacy in your relationship. He wants you to reconnect with him, the vine. He wants to see that produce that fruit produced inside of your life. Or maybe this morning God's been showing you that there have been some weeds that have been creeping up inside of your heart that need to be dealt with that you can't try to hide anymore. And this morning, it's going to saying, God, I can't remove this on my own. 
but all power and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you rip that out of my heart? And in its place, would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? God, we come before you this morning a people who are so desperately in need of you. God, we want to live that life that we've been called to. Jesus, we want to live like you. We want to look like you. We want it so that when we have interactions with our families and our friends and people we meet in the city, that they look at us and they see the life of Christ being lived out right in front of them. God, that it's attractive to them. God, we want love for our enemies. God, we want a peace that surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts and our minds. Jesus, we want a joy that can't be quenched. God, we want the hope that is never failing and never fading. We want faithfulness to be produced inside of our heart. And we know the only way that happens is by more of you, more of you inside of us. So Jesus, we come seeking you this morning. Do a new work inside of our heart. God, we want new and fresh encounters with you. God, would you breathe life into our relationship with you, fanning the flame of passion and intimacy. God, we thank you for the promise that when we seek you out, we find you, that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. So God, would you work inside of us new desire, a new appetite for more of you. And as we seek more of you, continue to fill us with more of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, for the sake of our lives, for the sake of our families, for the sake of our city, fill us with your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.